1: accessed entry one two eight five dot PR two four one three certificate number four 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 one one telling the bees
2: John Roderick are you superstitious I don't think I know this about
1: you no uh no I'm not, I don't, uh, I'm trying to think if there's some, because, you know, I have, I have some strange Victorian habits and, you know, some weird folk wisdoms.
2: I could totally see you like standing out back on your veranda of an evening Mm -hmm. saying to yourself little rhyming couplets about what the shape of the clouds might mean for tomorrow's weather or Mm -hmm. other
1: omens. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, I
2: don't believe in omens, but if I. Are you too scientific? Because many of your eccentricities could be superstitions. Like if you told somebody that you kept your door open with an ingot of silver, what is it? Yeah. If you told somebody you used an ingot of silver for a doorstop, and you told them it was to keep out werewolves <laughs> sure. or, or or dropsy or whatever, sure,
1: it makes sense now. It sounds no, like a superstition. Now that you put it that way, I do knock on wood. I don't know where I got that habit.
2: But you'll do it as kind of a social thing, like yeah. you know. Oh, I hope that happens. Knock, knock,
1: knock. Yeah, it's just it's sort of like just saying like inshallah. You know, like in the Arab world, you never say something where you try and predict the future without saying, God willing, uh, because it seems like, I mean, that seems dangerous. You're, you're, because uh, God laughs at your plans.
2: What's the expression? You're uh, tilting at windmills. That's not right. You're, you're te- tempting you're, fate. You're laughing at tempting fate. Yeah. There we go. Something right. like that.
1: So they say, inshallah, all day. You know, it's something that anytime it's like, well, I'll see you at four, inshallah. God willing. Do do you
2: know, because of the, uh, because of the Moorish conquest of Spain in modern Spanish, the way you say, hopefully is essentially you say, inshallah, you say, oh, halakay. And that means hopefully. And what you're really saying is I hope Allah grants. Oh yeah. And and of course these are like (laughs) Francoist Catholics saying this, but what they're really saying is I'm a secret Muslim.
1: Yeah, that's right. Secret Muslims. But so I, I knock on wood that way. If I'm like, Oh, you know, nothing bad could happen.
2: What if I were to sneeze right now? Hold on. I'm I'm just going to. Okay.
1: Bless you. Or I mean, I, Uh I, I guess I would say gazentite sometimes.
2: Do you, as part of your whole Central European, I camped by the Danube kind of thing. But
1: you know, that's more, I think of that more as like social politeness. Like if I sneeze, even if no one is in earshot, I always say, excuse me just because I- Are you be, mad that no one said bless you? Uh, no one ever does. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 really? the, the rare time somebody says Gesundheit or, or bless you, typically like black ladies will always say bless you if I sneeze, it seems like Does anyone typically. still say
2: God bless you or are we too secular in age? I don't think anybody
1: says God bless you. We I need, think it's implied. It's like Xmas In, in the bless. <laughs> <laughs> Some, someone, <laughs> the universe bless you. Local authorities bless you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or you could do the whole, God, and I hope she blesses you.
1: Yeah. Did I just blow your mind? She bless you. That's how the... Uh, the uh, the Spanish will say it in a thousand years. She bless you.
2: Are they all Wiccans now?
1: Well, we'll all be Wiccans. <laughs>
2: sure, we'll all be Wiccans. That's, you, that's an uh, album title. Are
1: you suspicious? Or I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> superstitious? I know I, you're suspicious. I, I, suspicious of what? Of black ladies? No. <laughs> no. What an
2: awful thing to say. Of,
1: of me, every time you come in the house, you look around, you're like, what, what's going what on? new rat trap is going to spring on me now? What
2: new ingot? I did have to navigate um, an obstacle course made of old jeans to get to my podcasting chair.
1: Let me ask you this. Do your jeans... Wear out or do they blow out? You need to explain the difference, I think. Well, like wear out, I guess they would just become too wrinkled or oh, tattered. Oh, is a
2: single place where there's a, blowout, a hole. Like, or your, a...
1: like the knees blow out or some other part of the gene always rips or tears before. It
2: used to be knee. Yeah, I've never had a pair of jeans wear out. It used to be knees. And lately I think it's inseam, which probably means I'm getting fatter. Inseam? Yeah, but like my thighs are going uh-huh. f- <laughs> when I walk, and so that goes first.
1: Well, you will notice the reason you stepped over that giant pile of jeans is that every one of them, and there are a dozen there, every one of them has a blowout in the same location. The here butt. In the butt. They always blow out. Well, that's
2: kind of what I'm talking about, right there where a, a pair of jeans might go.
1: Yeah, I guess that's where it is, but it's like in the seat of the pants. And so the jeans are all... As far as I'm concerned, perfectly good jeans. It's just they all have a big, wi- they're worn out in the seat. I like how you're looking for the bright side of your jeans. Well, they're
2: all they're all great. They're great. But they just need to work on one little thing. I can't. This the thing giant is,
1: hole in the butt. I can't bring myself to throw them away because if you looked at them, you'd be like, these jeans are ready to go. But also the seat of the pant is the most impossible place to put a patch. Right. It's so hard to get a sewing machine in there. So anyway, well, been, not,
2: you don't want to do it while you're wearing them. Is that is that what oof. you've been, Is that the problem you've well, been having? Well, actually,
1: depending <laughs> on the seamstress.
2: So is that a superstition that you won't throw away your jeans? No, that's just a
1: dumb thing. I should. I mean, I have jeans I've been schlepping around for 15 years because I didn't want to get rid of them because they seemed like they were still good. That's the problem. It if you seems could get them all to,
2: if you get them all to blow out in different places, it would be like organ donation. Right. You could make one new hybrid pair of jeans. It's a Levi Guess Stella
1: McCartney whatever you want. Uh-huh. I've talked to people about this who are like, oh, they're totally repairable, but for $70. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's the other problem. What I want is to live in a hippie environment where hippies just sit around repairing jeans all day. And say, she bless you. She bless you. She bless you. But do you have superstitions?
2: I was trying to think about, because I, I, okay, I got asked this a lot after I was on Jeopardy, because people love the idea of baseball play, like Wade Boggs right. only eating chicken if he's in a hitting streak.
1: Or, right, did you pull up your sleeve before you went to the plate, <laughs> you step back from the, the plate and pull up your sleeve? Really, all
2: I can think of is that uh, I did stay, I insisted on staying in the same kind of flea bag motel near the studio, even when I could afford something a little nicer. I mean, I could always afford something a little nicer, but I loved it. It was right by the studio, and it had a marquee that said, Color TV and phones. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this place has, I mean, you've probably stayed in a place that has color TV or phones, right?
1: Sure, but both. This place had both. I was going to say that you insisted on every time dressing like a mid-90s Mormon computer programmer. Wasn't that your like.
2: That was more of a comedy bit, like a kind of a performance art piece I was doing. Did you really? Did you? Yeah.
1: You were like, I'm going to self-consciously like wear browns. No. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to be self-aware here. I'm going to like dress like a nebbish.
2: No, I just had Penny's suits. Also, they weren't browns. I had like a gray suit that looks, it looks brown in a lot of the pictures. And so somebody just sent me a picture of a guy who had dressed as me for Halloween Uh and he wore a brown jacket and it pissed me off. That jacket's not brown. (laughs) It's charcoal. I can't, I can't affect the lighting of the Jeopardy set. Was it really from Penny's? Uh, no, but you know, that kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, men's warehouse or sure. Cause I was a computer programmer. I didn't, you know, you don't right. need, you can work gross cargo shorts to work. Even every then day.
1: you could let alone now, now you would just wear your Punisher t-shirt.
2: Yeah. Now I don't even put on the cargo shorts. Like right. everything's optional when you work at home.
1: But you, you had that thing where you would kind of throw your beeper down, like as a mic drop that people like to point out, no, but that only see, happened a couple yeah, of times.
2: You don't know my ouvre. That's that's like Sorry. one YouTube clip. <laughs>
1: Sorry. I don't know your uvra. Uh Okay, so, but Noah, do you knock on wood? I don't knock on wood. Would you I, walk under a ladder?
2: Um, That just seems like it's not super safe for the guy on the ladder.
1: Yeah, but let's say you're walking along and there's a <laughs> ladder. There's nobody up the ladder.
2: I'm aware of superstitions. Like I'll point it out when a black cat crosses my path or if I'm on floor 13 as a curiosity but it does not trouble me. Yeah. I do have little private games. Do you think this is the same as superstition? Like I was realizing that I have all these little games I play with myself. Like, um, (laughs) not sexual. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, when I go to a movie, if they say the name of the movie, I will clap quietly
1: in the, in the movie. If
2: somebody in the movie says, and it doesn't happen much in, Birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance.
1: That, that famous scene where where they're like, You're just one of those reservoir dogs. And <laughs> you're like, Yay. I, I love
2: it when it's the last line of the movie. <laughs> I guess we were all just a bunch of reservoir dogs. Yay. <laughs> so you quietly clap. Oh, okay. But if you go to Hamlet or something, you're going to be.
1: Yeah, gonna right. Be, you're going to be. You, oh, insane. you don't have to do it every time if they say that. No, you do. You, you, you do, do, it, every, do yeah, it every time.
2: You, oh, you do. And it's cool. not that if you don't do it, something bad will happen. But that's just the rules of the game. Or if I'm in a car and the or i'm looking out the window of a train or a car and um something's going by like a row of trees or poles or even stripes on the highway i will find myself kind of tapping my thumb in the rhythm of when each tree crosses the the uh the pillar of the car or
1: train uh-huh. window uh-huh. um but th- those things feel cuz i do a lot of those things but those feel like sort of like not obsessive compulsive yeah behavior. not ocd but like borderline ocd like right. if i'm if i'm just walking along i don't I don't have to perform any rituals, but if I start to walk on every brick. Yeah. I have to then complete the task. Well, you don't want to break your mother's back. She's no, she's but, very nice and vigorous. But like if I'm walking along and I touch every phone pole. Yeah. If I do three of them, I have to do 30 of them because I'm not going to leave that job undone.
2: But that's maybe how superstitions start, you know, back mm-hmm. in a, a pre-scientific era, you know, people would realize you know, the Jeopardy stuff I just did because I thought having a good routine would be smart. It's like Ichiro doing that weird stretching thing before he swings. Yeah, that's what
1: I was referring to.
2: Right. right. But like, let's say you're you're living 20,000 years ago and the one day that you don't, you have a little thing where you rub your thumb on your axe handle and the one day you don't do it, grandpa gets eaten by a Smilodon. Right. You'd remember that.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: Probably. Grandpa wouldn't. <laughs>
1: Uh, And maybe that's how superstitions start. You know, people, one of the things, do you remember a few years ago on the internet where everything was an ad hominem attack? Do you remember that? Like somehow the term ad hominem got.
2: It got so widespread, people would just say ad hom in the reply. (laughs) Right. And you'd be like, ah. I just got owned by ad-hom guy.
1: And now now I feel like correlation does not equal causation is the ad-hom of 2018. I feel like I see straw man more. Straw man. Straw, man, straw man's in there a lot. The,
2: yeah, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was teaching three logical fallacies to
1: 100 million nerds. I think the greatest trick was creating the phrase begs the question. <laughs> that was the greatest trick the, the devil since, ever pulled. Since it clearly means raises the question, but actually doesn't. I think, I think also uh, the, that, the, the word irony being like – I don't know. The word irony has never made sense to English speakers as far as I can tell because it gets used a hundred ways, almost never referring to actual there's a lengthy irony. There's a
2: lengthy chapter of my book. I, I commend oh. it to you, Joe. Oh. I commend Planet Funny Chapter 6 to your reading. The word
1: irony. It traces the history of the word irony. I will go read it this afternoon. Let's take a break right now. I'll, I'll read my autograph copy. That's just <laughs> right in the other room. Um, oh, wait a minute. I don't have an autograph copy. You sent me your galley. You sent me your dumb galley a couple of times, but where's my autograph first edition? They should have sent you a finished copy. Uh, yeah, they sent me, but it's not like endorsed to me. It doesn't say, John, I couldn't have done this without you. Thank you for all your help and support in my life.
2: Well, that's when you have to come to the author humbly and say, hey, Ken, thank you for sending me this directly from your publisher. It still smells like fresh ink and and cardstock, but but would you do me the privilege of a brief tribute on this blank
1: page at the beginning? See, I don't understand the superstitions of the publishing world.
2: <laughs> yeah, what's the difference between superstition and etiquette? A lot of things that we say are etiquette are really just sure. Super. I mean, so, some etiquette has clear uh, utilitarian value. You know, giving up your seat on a crowded subway to an elderly person or a pregnant woman is not like,
1: boy, who's the first weirdo that did that? Well, and wouldn't it be great if that action was actually connected to a feeling of bad luck if you didn't, yeah, exactly. if you don't the get so, up. You know. The
2: soul of the fetus will whisk into your body <laughs> and make you say awkward things <laughs> to the opposite sex unless you give up your seat.
1: We should actually, we should start connecting etiquette things to superstition just because there's so little etiquette in the world. Why I mean. do you use the left fork for
2: salad? Well, actually, that's mm. because in some cultures, uh, if your right hand touched salad, your lettuce crops would all die for a generation
1: that's right. If you wear cargo pants to a wedding, <laughs> you you will make the fields fallow for a what, decade. What if
2: that one actually did have some real story? like, uh, no cargo pants is what you want to a wedding. Think of all the things you could hold in all those pockets,
1: sure, all the cake you could take home to your spouse that has agoraphobia and didn't didn't join you.
2: I'm thinking of some case where the the couple needed some leather man or something, and nobody had one. And the one guy in cargo pants is like,, <clears throat>
1: Well, the thing is, if, if you're, if you need a leather man, you should, you're going to be wearing a utility belt. <laughs> you don't right. put your leatherman in your cargo <laughs> to shorts. A wedding. No.
2: And it should be Batman's utility belt. So you have like a little uh, sleepy gas, uh-huh. all kinds of gas canisters, compass, basically, is what uh, you want.
1: Well, your bat rope. Does Batman have a bat compass? Well, I'm not familiar (laughs) with him
2: ever being like,
1: let's see, the Riddler says it's,
2: he's at the old abandoned amusement park in North Gotham, but which way is north?
1: (laughs) I bet it's embedded in his helmet. It's a heads up display. He's
2: like you, he doesn't get lost. Batman always knows which way is north because he's Batman. He got taught in a monastery somewhere.
1: I do not get lost.
2: There's one particular superstition that I have always been very interested in. Um, In 1858- There's a poet, American poet named John Greenleaf Whittier, Mm -hmm. who, uh, Quaker guy, as a result, prominent abolitionist of his era, not read much today, but he's the kind of poet that if you were an American school child in 1890 or 1930 or 1950, you would be sick of because he was just assigned and you would have to know about, he was the guy that wrote about the barefoot boy with cheek of tan. Mm. I don't know. Do you, do you know about the barefoot boy with cheek of tan?
1: Uh, Is he talking about his, his butt cheek? Yeah,
2: he's got tan, butt cheeks, he's European, and he goes to nude beaches. He does uh, not have a tan line.
1: I don't, but you know, the, he's a, he is precisely what uh, people in the 90s referred to as the white male canon. That needed right. to be supplanted by a more diverse, and he's a pretty good argument books. for it, right? Because <laughs> yeah, it's right. like
2: people teaching the same crap for just because someone else taught it. Like, I guess these kids have to read Silas Marner and The Boy Stood on the Burning Deck.
1: Right. We yeah. only have forty books, so, <laughs> so so here you go, Billy Budd again.
2: So it's very easy to be uh, cynical when my daughter brings home the six books they're reading, and they're all um, you know different kinds of immigrant experience, which is what right. my kids are reading this year. But really, when you're seeing oh, it replaced the Quaker poet John Greenleaf Whittier, right. you're okay with it. He
1: also wrote. I didn't I, just to interject. I did not mean a minute ago to imply that Melville did not belong in the canon. Just that Billy Budd is not his best work. I see. Right. We. I'm do, not. I'm we, not anti-Melville. I'm just not pro Billy.
2: You got fan mail for mentioning Bartleby the Scrivener on this program. So you want to tread lightly with the Melvillians, the Melvillage people, whatever whatever they're called.
1: The thing is I'm one of them. I just, you know, there are some books that are better than others.
2: You either live as a Mel hero or you uh, live long (laughs) enough to see yourself become the Melvillian.
1: Oh, that's terrible. The Melvillian. Yeah. It would be spelled
2: differently. Yeah. Although the world is full of people who spell it Villian and they all have it's like the internet. Like that's when I first learned that all of my fr- none of my friends could spell definitely. Half well, the people I knew spelled definitely with an A instead of the second I. Or here's the thing. D- that, oh, definitely. Yeah, and the thing that's bugging me online this week is that no one knows that the word for agree is jibe with a B. Who? Who? Everyone says who doesn't know that. Everyone on the internet says jive. Oh, jive. This jives with my thinking. Like I guess they saw airplane.
1: I I don't know. No, that's. I mean, that's just one of those. There's not enough room in people's minds for two words. <laughs> for two words that sound like. And so it's just like. <laughs> Let's tell the future. If you
2: guys still use English and you're saying jive you to jive mean. You jive
1: with something.
2: Yes, with a, Yeah. if you're using jive to mean agree, please, I'm, I, I implore you. Whittier also wrote uh, Barbara Fritchie. Do you
1: know the legend of Barbara Fritchie? I know the name Barbara Fritchie. I, she like I feel a, she worked with your mom? She's a friend of your mom? No, I feel like Barbara Fritchie might have been one of those like very literary drag queen names. <laughs> Right? Barbara Bitchy. Like, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> it could have been. It could have been. There was a time, and I'm, I swear most futurelings probably will not know about this world, but there was a time when the drag world was very smart. Like the drag queen world had incredible- 99% of puns told in America were in drag queen names. Incredible humor, and that would have absolutely been the type of reference that you would encounter there. But no,
2: Barbara- It's a. never actually happened, but it's a Civil War legend of, I think, an old grandma in uh, Pennsylvania, maybe, uh, and the occupying Confederate general sees that she's still flying the American flag, and he's pissed, Uh, and he rides up to her house with a full- battalion or whatever and Barbara Fritchie says at least in the poem shoot if you will this old gray head but save my country's flag she said And it's one of these situations where the general is actually impressed by her spitfire gumption. The kind of thing that never happens in real life, right? (laughs) Right. In fact,
1: they threw her down a well. If you're
2: honest and tell your boss, (laughs) he'll be so pleased he'll promote you immediately.
1: And no, that never, actually, I'm
2: telling you, Barbara Fritchie (laughs) was thrown down a well. No, no,
1: don't be honest. Don't tell your boss. (laughs) The lost
2: third verse is the general being like,
1: all right, boys. (laughs) Barbara Fritchie was hanged from an apple tree and her body was burned. (laughs)
3: get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free plus $20 off your first box when you visit ButcherBox.com iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's ButcherBox.com iHeart or use the promo
2: code iHeart at checkout. Uh, but one of Whittier's most anthologized poems is called Telling the Bees and it's it's sort of like a Scottish ballad kind of a thing. It's a a young lad telling of his. Uh, it's basically the summer loving song in Greece,
1: mm-hmm. except he's
2: <laughs> except he's not bragging to his friends. He's just talking about what a beautiful summer he had with this one fair maid from over the ridge or whatever. Sounds like he was bragging to his friends. Yeah, maybe all those poems are really just. Tell me more, tell, <laughs> tell me, me more. <laughs> Did she put up a
1: fight? No, because- Wow, why terrible. would you start with that line? It's terrible. I'm saying that that's the I, worst. all of these poems going all the way back, they're just awful.
2: But in the poem, uh, the narrator actually returns to see his uh, this girl, this country girl, Mary, that he loved and spent a blissful- They've spent a month apart, which to him is a year, he says, because that's how lovers reckon time. Mm-hmm. But he gets back to her little thatched cottage or whatever, and the first thing he sees is somebody laying pieces of black crepe on the beehives out back.
1: Oh, no. And This is a bad omen. It's not a great omen. Did he, did he knock on wood? Black <laughs> crepe, if you see black crepe, it's not a birthday party. Did everybody just have
2: black crepe back then in case of a death? I, I guess. What else? So. What else would you use well, it for? Well, it was
1: before colored crepe was invented.
2: And Halloween had not yet been invented. So nobody needed spooky tablecloths. So
1: you, I don't know. I think of that era as being full of spooky tablecloths. <laughs> really? Yeah, that was just one of the, that, they only had if a everyone's, couple, couple like, of kinds.
2: If everyone's a goth, no one is, <laughs> I think. Oh, <Well>, I, <laughs> I guess I, Miss Havisham. Miss Havisham's the only goth of the era. Uh, and he's like, Oh, maybe her grandpa died. Like, hopefully he thinks maybe her relative <laughs> died. Right. <laughs> but then he sees uh, a servant girl out. He sees grandpa sitting on the porch and the servant girl, uh, is out singing to the beehive. And he doesn't think this is odd. And the poem ends and the song she was singing ever since in my ear sounds on stay at home. Pretty bees fly. Not hence. Mistress Mary is dead and gone. So his love is, uh, as usually happens in these ballads, his young love has, uh, like Annabelle Lee, not survive to
1: consummate, not survive to haunt you on Instagram where you have to wonder whether or not to unfollow or to continue to follow and be tormented by her. Is that what happens by to, her happier to, your, posts? to your late girlfriend? No, this oh, these are exes. Yeah, this doesn't happen. They're,
2: they're not dead on, on Instagram,
1: right? I mean, in the old days, right? If you if there was a chance that your that the girl that you had a summer fling with would then die of cholera and you'd that, that'd be perfect, you'd get to mourn her, but but not have to like ever think of her having fun somewhere else for the rest you'd, of the life.
2: You'd be at brunch, you'd be like, oh, I'm still friends with all my exes because yeah. they're dead. Because they all died. They all died immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not Bluebeard or anything. They really did just No, it they all just died. died of
1: poisoned well water. Or well,
2: ba- back then, uh, they wouldn't haunt you on Instagram. They would all literally haunt you. Right. You would see Annabelle Lee floating outside your garret window. Well, if everyone's a
1: goth, then no one is. Uh,
2: the funny thing is he never explains in the poem it's all just taken for granted that you would just see somebody.
1: The servant girl would be singing to the of bees. Of course,
2: you'd be telling singing to a she's singing to a beehive because Mistress Mary died. Like to him, the the shocking part is that his girlfriend is dead, not that a servant girl is talking to her bees. To me, he's bearing the lead, and that's because that this is a venerable tradition that country people in Whittier's day would have known, and not just in nineteenth century colonial or nineteenth century America, but also back in Britain in Ireland. Scandinavia, Central Europe, Germany, uh, all your, all your parts, Moldova, mm-hmm. Moravia, <laughs> Moldavia, Latvia,
1: uh-huh.
2: Wakanda, like they all, Z-Z-Zamun, what was it, Zamunda? Yeah, uh, Zamunda, the, right. the, the country from right. coming to
1: America. Bulgogia. Uh,
2: they would all have this tradition, which is that when something, some big news happened in the household, specifically a death, one of the first things you had to do was to let the bees in the beehive know. Yes. If not, not just a breach of etiquette, but like
1: a terrible omen. Sure. No, you would, uh, you, you would suffer real consequences.
2: Yeah. The bees would probably die. Um, or, or split. Yeah. So there's essentially two different variants of this belief. And I think one of the common ones is that if a member of the family marries and you don't tell, the bees bail. And that's bad for the family. You need the honey. Right. And you need the pollination for your
1: garden. They're just, they're offended. The yeah, bees are offended at
2: that They're, point. Like, they're like, the, um, like the whole plot of Sleeping Beauty is based on somebody not getting invited to a baby <laughs> shower and getting pissed and not yeah. having Facebook, so she curses people. Uh, it's the same thing. And then if it's a funeral, if a member of the family dies, then if you don't tell the bees, they will die. And I assume bring consequences on the family as well, like bad things could happen to you. And maybe the bad things are all bee-related, like you just don't get honey and you don't get your garden doesn't look as good next year.
1: I mean, if you think about bee-related bad things, that's a pretty long list.
2: Like them swarming and, and, and killing you with- Well, uh, I mean,
1: we're living in a world where, we're, where we fear the loss of our bees, and it, it has dire consequences.
2: It's funny that now this is some kind of modern end times thing, but even back then on their small little individual economy scale, like one of the worst things they could think of would be to lose their bees. Well, this has roots in the ancient world. Yeah, like the bees have been associated with the gods back to, like I know in Greek myths, Zeus and Dionysus were both fed by bees as babies, as bees would bring them milk and honey. Um, and so that begins, or at least continues the tradition of bees being some kind of divine messengers. In, in medieval England, they were called the birds of God, which is proof that medieval people were very religious and very mm-hmm. bad at zoology. <clears throat> they
1: did not know how to tell Birds from bees. They did not know about the birds and and the bees. And that's one of the first things they teach us. (laughs) Right. But like priestesses in the ancient world were called bees. Like the name Melissa means bee. Yeah, it's Greek for bee. Yeah. And I
2: always just assumed, yeah, because bees are so important economically. And that's true. Like Europe did not have sugar until essentially the Crusades brought knowledge of, I mean, the Greeks and Romans had enough trade with, say, Egypt to know, hey, there are these plants that have compacted honey in them. But in general, knowledge of sugar was lost in Europe until very late. And even w- well into the time when people knew that the uh, Middle Eastern and India, people in India and, and Arabia had sugar, honey was still the most common sweetener hmm. because that was all they had.
1: Because the, all they had were natural food co-ops. <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't eat refined sugar.
2: They had homeopathic sugar, yeah, which is called it, honey. Yeah,
1: because it was bad for you. That's why you need vaccines.
2: But the bees are also uh, connected with um, people in strong ways. There's this idea that, you know, today we maybe have this idea with dogs and cats, but back then the idea was that bees were closely connected with the souls of people. And I'm not sure why, like Plato wrote, for example, that he believed in the transmigration of souls and different kinds of people could be reincarnated as different kinds of animals. And this probably comes from seeing human traits in animals, seeing like a donkey being stubborn and being like, oh, that was a stubborn old guy who came back as a donkey. But his view was that people who were kind of sober-minded, uh, quiet, uh, just normal good folks, philosophical in a normal way but not schooled, would come back as as bees or ants, which right. have a society, a complicated society. But sure.
1: The, I was just teaching my daughter the parable of the ant and the grasshopper the other day. About how the ants are good and the grasshopper's lazy. I mean, I think that's the message of the parable of the ant and grasshopper. Were you teaching it backwards because <laughs> you're, you're a musician? <laughs> as I was telling her the story, I was like, look, there's the grasshopper. This, there's this cool-ass grasshopper. The grasshopper's got a lot of things on his mind. He's chilling a lot, you know. And, these, and, these, and these ants are just a huge bummer for him. I'm not anti-grasshopper. I'm not necessarily pro-ant. I'm just, I am I always take a middle view.
2: I like that you teach the controversy <laughs> in, in all of Aesop's fables. <laughs> like. You know, there's this cool, there's this cool <laughs> hair
1: who likes to show off because he's awesome. And this kind of boring turtle <laughs> that's just plodding away at his daily routine. I remember it was a, an event that really stuck out in my young life. I was in Morocco and was kind of, had had formed an association with this kind of group of young guys. And we were sort of tear assing around you were not tearing um, ass? You were tear ass. We were tear assing. Your I, jeans uh, are tearing uh, ass. <laughs> my jeans, my, I tear the ass of my jeans and but I tear leg, ass. The
2: legs inside the jeans are tear
1: assing. In, Got uh, it. In a town. But we were in Fez and they were Fezians. Is that right? But I'd become a kind of. They're like, not pheasants? Uh, hmm. No. A uh, pheasant of Moroccans. They were, uh, they were, you know, they weren't a member of the pheasant class. Fezzy they were wigs. They were a member of the. Uh, Mercantile class. <laughs> gotcha. Did you say Fezzy Winks? <laughs> uh, anyway, so one night we were all kind of crouched in an alley telling stories. And one of the guys started to imitate his friends by portraying them as animals. And and his point was that in every group of six people, one of them's a rooster, one of them is a pig, one of them is a donkey. I'm taking notes. One right. of them is a dog. One of them is a cat. And he he went around this group, and you were just like, Oh my God, he is the rooster in this group. And the kid, you know, that he was pointing to and like imitating, like, <laughs> the kid was like smiling and acknowledging. No, it's that, true. He he's got like, me. I'm the rooster. It's true. And the you know, and the pig was like, Yeah, I'm the pig. And uh, the scales fell from my eyes. And from that point on, anytime I'm in a gathering, a group of friends, I cannot help but look at them and and say like, oh, look, you know, there he is. He's the fox of the group and he's the, you know, the domestic dog or whatever. It's a truism. And I think it's something rooted in the ancient world. And I think it's something –
2: you don't think this is just a case of li- people liking to impose a classification system? The same reason astrology, for example, becomes a popular superstition. Oh, <clears throat> maybe, but, but it's- but, you know, confirmation bias. There, there's an internet thing. Confirmation, confirmation bias. Confirmation
1: bias. But we are already imposing qualities on the animals, yeah. right? Like industriousness on an ant or pride on a rooster that aren't necessary. I mean, the rooster is not crowing out of pride. Presumably. The ant's pretty good though. Don't put down the, the ant. The ant is very like, industrious. He's got to but... lift
2: things that are uh, 200 times his body weight. And... Yeah,
1: it's true. But you're right
2: about the rooster. I mean, he's just, His good morning thing. What is that? What is that even a mating ritual? Uh,
1: There's one over here. There's a rooster in my neighborhood. My mom is just infuriated by it. She's like, roosters are outlawed in the city. I'm like, yeah, but it's one of those laws. Like, what are you going to do?
2: Also, you don't know. You get a bunch of chickens and then eventually you find out. I didn't know this. You find out like three of them are
1: roosters and you were like, what the heck? What's crazy is sometimes chickens crow. So you think it's a rooster, but it's just a chicken that is, has gender dysmorphia. Gender is, a, gender is a spectrum, right? So, even in poultry. So the chicken, uh, every once in a while, I guess a chicken takes on the job of crowing. That's something I discovered not very long ago. So the connection between humans and animals, you know, bees seem to be a
2: focus for much of it. And I think a lot of it is just the usefulness of, you know, Plato is zeroing in on the fact that even though bees and ants don't say much, they appear to have a very complicated society. The ancients knew they had a lot going on. And it's easy to look at a beehive or an anthill and be reminded of a city, right? Right. Plato's an urban. And the
1: way guy. that, you know, the division of labor. Division of labor. But the bees were associated with death in the underworld. Yeah. Um, which is a connection that I always maybe struggled. It doesn't make sense. If you had to more pick, to connect. If you had to pick
2: an insect, you would pick maybe the flies that hover over Ooh. a body.
1: <clears throat> Gross, but that's or not a, who you want to lead you into the underworld.
2: Or a dung beetle. Follow a bunch of flies. Follow the flies. I mean, a lot of the importance of bees is just because, you know, people just loved honey. They thought, they're like, this this is some good-ass honey. And they're like, bees are the best. Like uh, bees are mentioned very favorably in the Quran, for example. Right. Like Muhammad said, there'd be honey in heaven. And so therefore, in a lot of Islamic traditions, it's a sin to kill a bee because you're not going to have your good-ass baklava
1: without a bee. Well, the bees obviously play a huge role in Mormonism, right?
2: Oh, that's true, and that's that's again the industry
1: in Utah. You see bees as a as municipal symbols.
2: It's the Beehive State, yeah. So you know how in Washington we've got uh, George Washington silhouette on all the state highway routes. Like right. it, it'll say the number, and a lot of states have this. Like in Pennsylvania, it's a Keystone, like of a Keystone of an arch Keystone right. State. Yeah, in Utah, there's always a beehive, beehive, and it'll say like State Route 16 on it. But it's because not it's just beehive
1: state. It's not just honey. If, if in an agrarian society, you're going to need bees sure. to pollinate your crops. All, you're your,
2: not- all your crops and your fruit trees, and and I wonder when. But when did people figure that out? They must not have known. The, I guess you see them,
1: you know, hovering over flowers. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you, beekeepers kept bees early, early on. That Domesticating bees was a an early invention. The, but what their connection to the, because I think bees Yeah, are, what do you think about death? Like where, where does that even. Bees are part of the foundation myth of a lot of. Cultures like in Africa, I think you'll find that the bee appears in the, uh, the pantheon of early gods as some like God will transform himself or herself into a bee in order to lead the Adam character to his bride, or you know, like it, right there are many, many traditions in Turkey and across the globe where a bee figures into the original story somehow. I wonder if it's because they can sting you, like. God does not lots of nice,
2: sweet things for
1: you, but he can be dangerous. Hmm. No? But the bee always seems in the foundation myths that I've read always seems pretty benign, pretty friendly. The stinger does not, is not part of the story. Well, also,
2: uh, you know, the Mayans have a bee god called Cab, who's often drawn upside down and angry. Not really sure why he would be, Hmm. maybe they, maybe they were confusing birds and bats just like the British didn't know the difference <laughs> between birds and
1: bees. The, the bee turns up on, as um, an emblem in like Navy fighter plane culture. Sure. But that's the, isn't that all about the oh, stinger? It's, yeah, it's the stinger. Right.
2: He, he, it seems like those always have like, they're sticking their butt out at you and look, yeah, look they're, out. But,
1: but they're upside down, aren't they? Aren't they oh, flying in with their stinger out at, oh, upside yeah, down?
2: That happens in cartoons yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been stung by a bee? Yes. I was stung a couple of months ago, I was, I was running around Green Lake and I brushed this grass and I looked down and uh, the, I, don't, I still don't know if it was a bee or a wasp, but it's still sticking out of me. It has, it has yeah. not been able to disengage the
1: yeah.
2: stinger. So I flicked it away with my finger. Did the stinger stay in you? It really hurt. No, I flicked it away and the stinger went out and I was like, oh good, this won't be bad. And I finished my run. Green Lake is like three miles. And by the time I get back, like my, it's all swollen up. And like starting to swell down down blood vessel, uh, and whatever he injected, he got
1: enough in there. Um, we have so many different kinds of wasps out here. I mean, not that many, but but I think a lot of the time when you look at something and go, "It's a bee," it's really a wasp. Th- and this was late in the season, and I, th- I think it might be a wasp. Yeah,
2: and wasps can survive. They can sting you and then just keep stinging you because they suck. I got a
1: wasp inside my motorcycle helmet. <clears throat> I don't understand why I'm so phlegmy today. I mean, I generally am, but
2: I'm, there's probably some superstitious thing you didn't do. You need that's to right. rub a brass doorknob <laughs> three times in the eve, or uh,
1: there's a brass doorknob right over phlegm there.
2: Phlegm will arrive, I do believe.
1: I, yeah, a wasp got inside my motorcycle helmet while I was speeding down the highway. <laughs> it came up underneath, and it was a full face helmet. So it just sat and stung my face. 14 times before I was able to, like, because I, I slammed on the brakes and skidded off the road yeah, into I bet the dirt.
2: Nine out of 10 people in that situation
0: die.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, threw the bike down and I'm just like wrestling, trying to get my helmet off, and this wasp is was just like, bzz, 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 just stuck in there. It was awful. You should have seen me like for a week. My face was, I looked like I had really gotten into it you <laughs> with were, a wasp. You went from the rooster <laughs> of the group to the pig of the group. I did. I did. I had to just lay on a bed in a youth hostel and hope that no one asked me to do any chores. The
2: reason why I mentioned the Mayan bees is because it actually goes against my argument that the sting must have something to do with it because a lot of Latin American, Mexican and uh, South American bees are stingless, which I did not know. I mean, they have other defense mechanisms, like some of them can still bite. They'll, if you attack the hide, they'll go into your hair. Ugh. They'll fly into your ears and nose. Some of them can secrete acid.
1: Fly I fly into your ears and nose. I
2: know. Right. So this is worse than stinging, but they don't sting. And others are just very friendly and are good pets. Like a lot of Brazilians keep stingless bees as pets. And they'll even have a nice, like on the 12th floor balcony of their, of their Rio apartment, they'll have a beehive because.
1: Do they make stingless honey? Stingless bees.
2: They do make uh, delicious honey. Stingless bees. So why are we still, the, the problem is, uh, I know why we don't just use stingless bees. These Africanized wild bees that have come into Central and South America actually produce much more honey. Oh. And so a lot of the native, um, pop, not not just the Mayan peoples, but a lot of the
1: native bees are um, are getting replaced. Out, out-competed or, or humans are both, actively repeating? Well, humans.
2: First of all, humans are like, wait, I can get three times as much honey from these angry stingy ones. Oh. And also they'll, they just, take over the ecosystem from the oh
1: the friendly bees though i'm just now i'm wistful yeah I've, we should we should get
2: some stingless bees up in here yeah the uh the interesting thing about the mines is according to the madrid codex they had the tradition of telling the bees so whatever this tradition is it somehow spanned the atlantic no really yeah so it's exactly the same um as the tradition in europe you if there's a death you need to go out to the beehives and let them know and there's uh, there's additional um Traditions related to death. Like if you go to a, if you go to a cemetery, you need to wait three weeks before you return to your beehive. If you've touched a dead body. Oh,
1: now wait a minute. If you just go visit somebody in a cemetery or if you walk through a cemetery on your way somewhere, you need to wait three weeks before you go to your beehive? And it's worse than this. If
2: you touch a dead body, you need to wash your hands and arms with an orange leaf for three straight weeks before you can be cleansed again for your bees. Wow. This is in... Central
1: America yeah. or, oh, I see.
2: And there's other traditions like that in Europe that, you know, kind of the old cleanliness traditions that, for example, menstruating women are, should be kept away from the. Bees. Temples. Yeah. Oh, and from the bees. Yeah. And from the bees. And that's just, you know, sure. a, a suspicion of the female People body. People are like, just making stuff up. We don't point. know what this all does, <laughs> but it's a little unpleasant.
1: So why take chances? I don't think the bees care.
2: The bees certainly do not care. Bears prefer it. Hmm. By all accounts, right?
1: Well, I think, the, I think keep menstruating women away from bears is probably a, a good that's tradition. Like, that's like giving up your subway seat.
2: That's, that's just good manners.
1: <laughs>
0: Let's um, keep you away from the bears. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n dot com slash start
2: but a lot of the uh, european traditions about bees are more are not like um because these mind traditions are more like, let's not bring the specter of death to the bees. That's a bad omen. I see. The European ones are much more like, let's make the bees part of the whole process. Right.
1: They're paying attention and we, they're part of the family.
2: In a lot of the cases, there's, a spe- there's more specifics. Like you're only supposed to whisper to the bees about death at midnight, or you're only supposed to tell them in rhyme that there's okay. been a death. Like You'd
1: be great at that. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm always just making up little (laughs) rhymes about corpses.
1: Ken, the rhyme animal.
2: (laughs) Or there's a repeated incantation. Like in some traditions, you're supposed to go up to the beehive and whisper, little brownies, little brownies, your master is dead. And then you're supposed to wait in silence. And if the bees begin to hum, they're like, okay, we're okay with our new owner. And then you got to put the crepe over the hive. <laughs> like hop you
1: know. on one foot and uh, <laughs> unbuckle your shoe. Well, you
2: include them in all the funeral traditions. It's not just the piece of black crepe. You've also got to bring out, when the funeral cake or, or, or drink is served, you got to bring out a little ceremonial plate. Wow, like, to the bees. Like leaving cookies for Santa, right? No,
1: I, I wonder the how they feel about having their hive draped with black crepe, though. I bet you they feel like, all right, the cake and stuff is good. We're into the cake. And actually, have you ever left, like, champagne out around bees? They- Drown in it. Oh, that's a good point.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't want to. We have a wasp trap in our backyard that is essentially a hard to get out of champagne goblet that you hang in a tree. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, this sweet stuff smells good, and then they can't get out. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. If somebody gives me a piece of cake, I'm like, sweet. You'll, you'll, you'll to drown in it. No, I'll eat it. But if somebody oh. drapes a piece of black crepe over me, right? I'll be like, uh, I'll just take the cake.
1: Or over your house, or over my entire house. <laughs> if someone came and knocked on the, <laughs> the door and was like, Ken, your master is dead. You'd be like, thanks. And we're covering your house.
2: No, 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 no. I'll just take the cake. No, no, you (laughs) guys can, you guys don't back up the truck. No, please. Um, In some cases, the bees were even given an invitation to the funeral. Uh And it would be like, dear bees, this is to inform you that on such and such a date, you are cordially, cordially?
1: (laughs) Rob cordially,
2: (laughs) Rob cordially." (laughs) I just was watching a movie where everyone says menstruation instead of
1: Menstruation. And I realize
2: I'm a real stickler about the U. Yeah. In men- <laughs> it's not menstruation unless it's got U in the middle of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> put the U in menstruation. Because
2: they're all saying menstruation like that's
1: menstruation. okay. Menstruation. So, yeah, I'm going to say. Put the men in menstruation. No. No. And so it's, well, yes. Take put the, the men out of men. Put the men. It sounds bad either way. It sounds
2: misogynistic either way. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm a stickler for the U in cordially, even though there isn't
1: actually one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Believe me.
2: <laughs> Just like the L in, in yeah. the Soviet.
1: Thank God. Thank God every once in a while you have one.
2: So uh so the bees are part of the family.
1: It's funny because <clears throat> I I love this kind of tradition, but we're so divorced from death now in a way that that in the 19th century, or at any prior time, people wouldn't have been, right? I mean, I was a full-grown adult before I ever saw a dead body. Because in, too. in our culture, we're just, you know, death is concealed from us and people die and just sort of aren't around anymore because the whole funeral process, the whole- Well, also people living longer. People live a lot I longer. Mean, I mean,
2: I was in college and I heard that my high school Spanish teacher had died and I realized that's the first person I had ever known who died. Right. I lived 20 years death-free.
1: Which would not have happened. In in the mid 19th century when, I mean, people had 15 kids and only seven survived, but also people lived in extended families. So your grandparents were living in the house, your aunts and uncles, that was true of everyone you knew. And so people died all the time in ways that you would have, you would have been confronting. You would have seen dead people and known dead people. And so, and you'd have been out talking to the bees all the time. Do you think it's healthier? I mean, the, I do. the bees get
2: more conversation for sure. But for a person. It's healthier for the bees. Just to have, right. They get, they get company, they get cake. But for people having to confront this stuff, like I, when you read old timey accounts, people either seem very well adjusted to death or just tragically
1: inured to it. I mean, I feel like we live now in a culture where a lot of our issues kind of can be traced back to an idea that we all think we're immortal. In in the sense that we don't, you know, we have expectations of what life is going to deliver, expectations of how things should go that don't really bear in mind how fragile we are and how finite our lives are. And And that would not have been the case. And it
2: leads to kind of these problems near death where maybe, you know, we're famously a culture that has a hard time just letting go and saying, no, this aggressive treatment is actually worse than a peaceful end. Right. Um, Whereas maybe if we had come up with death and we're more comfortable with the idea.
1: I think right now, as we make this program, there are tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people on life support in hospitals and hospices and old folks' homes where they will never recover, will never walk the earth or breathe normally again, but are being kept alive because they can be. Some of them who will never regain consciousness.
2: And that's more a result of technology than about attitude toward death, but it's certainly well, part of a little from column. A, a yeah, little from column I, I think B.
1: I think it's that I mean, when my dad was in the hospital, there came a time when it was clear that he had shuffled off this mortal coil in all ways except corporeally. Yeah. And I had long conversations with the doctors in the intensive care. And they were extremely reticent to make any kind of definitive statement about whether or not he had a chance of recovery. I had to say over and over again, like, tell me, is there really any chance that he will ever wake up? And they just hemmed and hawed. They equivocated. And after the fact, when I finally said, like, I now feel confident that he's gone. And so let's not continue with this process. You know, let's go tell the bees. Let's not keep him hooked to machines. Cause the doctor at one point said we could keep him alive for a year in, in this state. He was 87 and he had had multiple strokes and you know, they they would only be keeping him alive. And so after the fact, I sat and talked with them and they said, you know, so many people have signed these living wills, so many people come into this situation feeling very confident that they're modern people who understand death and are ready to make the hard decision. Did your dad have a living will, can I ask? He did, but he put it in a file cabinet and didn't tell anybody about it. So I found his living will months after he passed away as I was going through his things. Uh And it said, you know, don't revive me, don't use any extraordinary methods to keep me alive, don't intubate me even. But he He never told anybody he'd done it. It was just in a stack of mail. It's not basically.
2: just tell the bees, but like tell your next of kin. Also tell
1: your son. Yeah. Uh, but because I was in that situation empowered to make those life and death decisions as his next of kin, I, you know, I said, there is, like he has sepsis of the blood now, right? There was a long period where there just wasn't enough oxygen. Yeah. But the doctor said, You would be overwhelmed to learn how many people in that situation cannot say it's over and keep their loved one alive by these methods because they cannot, in the crucial moment, embrace death. And that could be related to a culture of avoiding. Somehow. I mean, I I honestly, as as my dad got older, he never thought he was going to die. Even when he was in the hospital, he was like. You could still see it in his eyes. He thought he would live forever. I mean, you always have.
2: 100% right. of the time, you've you been have, alive. You have
1: been alive.
2: <laughs> and you, uh, you have to kind of plan for that, right? You, you know, if if I live, there's going to be stuff to think about and stuff to do. So I'm going to go with that as my plan A. Right. And I guess push too far, that's when, you, that's when you get into trouble.
1: And in particular, I think probably the secularizing of the modern world, people are less confident about where they're, when they die, where they're going.
2: Yeah, I guess if you thought, I, I will certainly see your, um, him again on the other side. Right, or
1: I'm, I'm headed to meet my maker. Like, this is exciting even. Although you you rarely see that in ancient traditions of people like, uh, funerals aren't like celebrations of going through the portal, right? They're always sad. People kind of, you know, they go, I'm off to meet my maker, but it's, uh, it's rare, I guess unless you're martyring yourself, it's rare that you do it with like your best shoes on.
2: That does seem much more of a modern secular thing. A celebration of life will be held
1: in the, <laughs> in the Unitarian church on, yeah. on 7. Yeah, the minister will be breaking out his acoustic guitar. But I would have loved to have told the bees. And it's not just that we don't have bees around. It's that that was, I mean, my dad's death was the only real death I've ever confronted. And that concludes... Telling the Bees. Entry 1285.PR2413. Certificate number 44411 in the Omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era. In your hives. And it isn't just social media where you tap your abdomen rhythmically. Do a waggle dance to like and do a different <laughs> regal dance to share. To like and poke your friends. It's a literal oh, poke. Oh. You may enjoy the social media of our era, which also had stingers. And these stingers also stuck in you after the sting. But sadly, it did not kill the stinger. But like a bee sting, it would make you feel bad for days. It would make you feel bad for days. It's just that the person that stung you would continue to live to sting again. And baking like a soda wasp. wouldn't help. Uh, but you might enjoy our social media. It's hilarious. Uh, you can find Ken on Twitter at Ken Jennings. Out there just making jokes, right and left, family friendly.
2: Cockeyed observations on the affairs of the day.
1: Uh, my Twitter uh, account used to be great, but then I got stung one too many times. And now I just cower in the corner. Because you had anaphylactic shock. I only, I only every once in a while tweet something really innocuous. I took some kid on on Twitter the other day. I and, missed it. And I was reminded why I don't go on Twitter. Because he defeated you. Oh, he was he, like, he straw he did. man, he did.
2: ad hominem, confirmation bias,
1: <laughs> boom. Put me right down in my old man rocking chair where I belong. Also, you can find uh, me on Instagram where I just posted a 30-second video of my hat that got pulled off of my head by a tree. It was waving in the wind. And it was twisting in the wind. That is the kind of content you cannot get for any money. Is the hat still out there? Nope, it fell at the end, and I picked it up and put it on my head and continued oh, walking. Oh, so I just revealed I did not watch to the end of the video. Yeah, it was 30 seconds long, I, and you got to 20 seconds or were like, boring. You know
2: my uh, <laughs> attention span is not 30 seconds just from doing this show. I was hoping the hat was still outside and you would have to walk out and whisper family events to it.
1: No, you know, that's my life hat. Uh, it, it gives you life. You've worn it your whole life. It's All of the above. I will wear that hat unto the end. Uh, they'll bury me in that hat.
2: I've seen you in that hat, but I didn't realize it was kind of your only hat. It's
1: not my only hat, but, but it's, it's your, my life hat. You, when do you wear other hats? Other occasions. I mean, I wear it. Besides life. I wear it for special occasions. <laughs> They're it from was, past it, lives? It was my dad's hat. It was his life hat. You know, it. I would give it to my daughter, but I don't think she wants it.
2: My daughter will wear weird kid crocheted hats oh, she until will. the cows come home. Oh. So if you want to pass it on to my
1: daughter. She's like a, a child uh, after my own heart. Oh, no, I don't want to give your daughter my life hat. Some, well, your daughter doesn't want it, apparently. Well,
2: some, uh, maybe. What I'm saying is maybe you're a father figure to uh, to Katie.
1: I would like to be, but I haven't been invited into that role by her or by anyone in your family. <laughs> or, or me. Or <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I'm in your house, it's just like, oh, hello, would you like something? Okay. She is quiet. a She's a lovely, lovely young lady. I would try and parent her, I, but I try to parent all children. Well, take
2: her to a McDonald's play place or something and maybe She's you guys can be friends. She's too old for
1: that. She's almost a teen. She is almost, she turned 12 yesterday. See? Isn't that crazy? It's one away from being a teen. She doesn't want to go to a McDonald's play place.
2: <laughs> She's also a vegetarian. She really doesn't want to go to a McDonald's play I really play don't
1: place. want to take her in that case. Uh, you can email us, please. Email us. At omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com, you, there's an 85% chance you will get a reply from Ken. There's a 15% chance you will get a reply from me. So that is contractual. Make it enticing. You can send us mail at P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington 98155. Uh, I think we've established that we are reluctant to eat anything you send us. It's unlikely you're going to send us any custom tailored garments. We
2: probably won't apply it topically either. Like, would you apply a lotion or a soap or a bath salt? Doubtful.
1: Doubtful. I I tend to be allergic to uh, perfumed soaps, and I don't want anything with CBD in it because I don't do drugs. And you don't either, so we don't want any of that pot stuff.
2: I don't even know it's, oh, CBD. I thought those were the little um, plastic discs that make lotion feel smooth, but then they live in the ocean forever or
1: whatever. Oh, right. The little CBDs. No, No, CBD is the, uh, is the 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 cannabis ingredient in cannabis that is not supposedly not psychoactive, but is instead just really good for your corns, for your bunions. Right. But we can't, we can't do that. Don't ask us why. Uh, but most importantly, I think we'd like to direct you to our fan group on Facebook, the Omnibus Futurelings, we delight in their antics. It's a little beehive. It is. It's a little hive. It does that, not
2: have a social structure, though. It's, a, it's, a, it's an anarchy, we were saying.
1: It does tend to be fairly anarchic. Every once in a while, someone who's never posted before comes in and throws the hive all a-tither all a by saying something that the regular inhabitants find... Titillating. I have literally
2: never seen that happen. Buzz, 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 buzz.
1: What, in your your estimation, it's just the same 90 people in there? (laughs) There?
2: Well, in a beehive, the new guy would be like, hey, I found a new source of flowers. And in the case of Futurelings, that would be like, hey, I found a better
1: podcast. And so we don't want that to happen. I think what usually happens is somebody comes in and goes, hi, first time, what do they say? Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, they'll
2: be like, I just listened to uh,
1: the European Starling (laughs) and I have some notes. Uh, but anyway, we encourage you to go there and uh, cold kick it with your fellow bees, uh, making the honey of Facebook content. The honey of content? The honey of content.
2: I think the honey is the warm, uh, uh, sweet feeling they all get of, of fellowship and oh, camaraderie.
1: Oh, Yeah. I thought the, I thought. Like, for,
2: you know, bees keep each other warm, right? Like the, all the, you know, a beehive will be 10 degrees right. warmer than the surrounding log or whatever.
1: No, I thought that the entire modern economy was based on people like you, me and all of the futurelings putting content on the internet which then Facebook, Google and Twitter profit from in the billions of dollars and they take for-
2: the ne- nectar of our of our life experience and beautifully turned sentences and they Swish them in their mouths like a bee does,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, excrete the honey of uh no, higher
1: stock price. We are the bees; they are the ones harvesting our honey. Oh, they're the beekeepers, but we're the dumb bees that don't know where our honey keeps going. We're like, we just keep filling, making honey. We just make make this honey, and then uh, then every once in a while, the some the, giant with a mask and, and a smoke gun <laughs> yeah. calms us down briefly. And, and it's it's takes it's uh, our content.
2: It's Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey or whatever he gets in there with his smoke gun into the hive. Right. Unfortunately,
1: those guys are. And you can try to sting it. You can be dumb. like,
2: you can be like, hey, at Twitter, uh, the Nazis <laughs> printed my address
1: and no they'll less. just be like, more honey. Yeah. <laughs> Our content policy does not uh, indicate that that was a bad post. Keep making honey and keep it down. I've met some of those guys and they are not smarter than the average bee. They're just normals. They're just scared normals like everybody else. Are they
2: smarter than like a smart bee, like the Honey Nut Cheerios bee?
1: No. No, they're not. They are the average bee. They think they're smarter than the average bee. Smarter than the average bee. But they're just drunk. Because they're honey. Uh, yeah, they're just normals. I mean, the number of people I've met in my life who are truly, truly, exceptionally smart. Besides me. Besides you. I mean, there just haven't been that many. And uh, they definitely are not like Silicon Valley people. They're not executive. They're not tech executives. No, they're not. They Those are not the ones who have like who have blinded me with their wit, or even their ability to navigate like a simple or even science. Room, yeah, room.
2: You know, like there should be a song about tech startups called "They Did Not Blind Me with Science." <laughs> Listeners from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our little hive is going to survive. We hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come, that the black crepe will never be draped on our planet. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, maybe our final word. But if the bee god allows, what was the name of the Mayan bee god? If Cab, the upside-down Mayan bee god, allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.